When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, I talk to a real glam rocker, vocalist Rob Wild from Midnight City and Tiger Tales. We talk about the new Midnight City album that's coming soon, and their previous releases, the current status of Tiger Tales, and we dig deep into different hair metal bands that we got into back in the day and still love now. Check it out. Rob, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing, man? I'm good, Mike. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Doing great. So, hey, I got to ask you. I'm seeing all these pictures of uh, lyrics and microphones, all this stuff. It looks like you guys are in the studio. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, you got it, mate. Um, we're, we just um, got back together after quite a, a few months off um, due to the whole um, pandemic that's been going all over the world. Um, and we are... About halfway through recording our third album right now, the third Midnight City album, uh, we actually started it um, back in February, and we were making really good progress right before we went out to Australia. We went out to Australia, played two shows there, came back home, and the whole world had gone completely nuts within about a week. And we were, you know, the UK was in lockdown, and it kind of really just put a complete stop on everything that we were doing for a while. Uh, luckily, things are slowly starting to get back to normal a little bit. Um, so last week, I was back in the studio, putting down some vocals. I'm in again next week, and we're going to be cracking on with um, finishing um, the album, hopefully over the summer, and uh, getting things all wrapped up. So it's uh, it's great to be back in the studio because it was, you know, we just had these three, like two, three months where we were kind of not really able to do anything. It was just, you know, really frustrating not being able to kind of crack on with uh, getting the album done really but uh yeah we're back into it now and it's sounding great awesome now uh, what kind of direction are you guys going in is it the same as your previous albums trying anything different it's you know what it, it we, we're kind of sticking to what we do you know we've done um <clears throat> like i said this will be our third album and it's just you know it's a, it's a, it's a hair metal album that's it it's it, nothing more nothing less so um there's uh there's a couple of you know, sleazier songs on this album, uh, twitching a little bit more into the kind of glam direction, but at the same time, you know, there's a couple of massive power ballads on the album. Uh, there's some really poppy, catchy stuff. So it's kind of like the, the best of the first two albums, you know, we're kind of, we're just kind of taking everything up a notch. The production's going to be better. The performances are going to be better. Uh, I think the songs are better. Um, so it's, it's, Obviously, I'm, I'm biased, but <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a damn good album, mate. You know, if, you, if you're digging your, your hair metal, this is going to be your album. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, now, one thing that I saw, which I thought was pretty interesting, is I saw the lyrics for the Paul Stanley demo track, Best Man For You. So I take it you guys are recording that song. Uh, no, actually, that's that's a side project that oh, I'm doing. Okay. Um, I, I, yeah, I was actually I was actually um, asked to do um, a guy a guy called Darren Phillips, who's uh, actually an Australian guy. He's kind of uh, he, he he kind of does his um, they, they put out music, and basically what what he does is he 
uh, gets different guys from different bands around the world to kind of contribute on different songs. So it's kind of like a one-off, um, a one-off thing. I actually met Darren when we were over in uh, Australia in, in March, and uh, he knew that I was a massive Kiss fan. And uh, he got in touch and said, well, you know, I'm actually recording this unreleased Paul Stanley song from 1989. And, uh, you know, he's got, uh, I think it's a bass player from Crush, uh, a good friend of mine, Dennis, who's playing bass on it. Um, and I, I'm not sure who's playing uh, keyboards, but there's various different people playing, you know, different instruments on it. And he got in touch with me and asked me if I'd to uh, sing on it. So I was like, absolutely. You know, I absolutely love uh, I'm a massive, massive Kiss fan, massive Paul Stanley fan. So, and I love those unreleased songs that he did in '89. So, um, so yeah, I, I went in and, and kind of knocked that song out in a few hours. And but that's actually yeah, that's a separate thing from uh, the Midnight City thing. Cool. Well, it's great to hear that you're a Kiss fan because you probably may know about that about me. I'm a huge Kiss fan. Kiss comes up on every episode that we do. And one thought that when I saw that, what it made me think about is how Kiss has so many cool demos that they never really gave a proper release for. Songs like Deadly Weapons, Smoke, uh, Heartthrob, uh, Best Man For You. And I always thought somebody should do a project someday called like One Man's Junk, right? And you take all these throwaway songs and give them a proper recording. So that's what I always thought that would be a cool idea. So I hope what you're working on is something along those lines. Yeah, it, it's sounding cool. I mean, we I heard a kind of rough mix of uh, what was going on with it the other day, and it, it sounds sounds really cool. And I agree. You know, I mean, I, I there's so many great songs. I mean, one of, one of my favorite songs from from that period that never how the hell this song never got on Crazy Night I'll never know is uh, Sword and Stone. Oh yeah, it's just what a song. I mean, how how did, how did that not make it on the album? I I do not know. So uh, maybe maybe we, uh, some part we might crack that song out as well. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, that's a killer one. You know what song I'm I'm obsessed with too that it came out on Eric Carr's uh like Rockology, Eyes of Love. You familiar with that one? Yeah, I've got that CD. Yeah, there's some good stuff on that one as well. Yeah, some some, yeah. some great songs on that album. That would have been awesome on Hot in the Shade or something like that. That's a killer track. I agree, man. Absolutely. So let's talk about your last release, uh, There Goes the Neighborhood. I mean, that's an awesome album. Why don't you tell everybody about it who maybe hasn't heard it? Um, well, th- what was really strange about that album was um, that th- we, we put the first album out, which came out um, at the end of 2017, so it was October when the first album came out. And it, at that point, you know, we, we myself and Pete, the drummer, we've been in, in lots of other bands over the years, um, but still... Um, to everybody else, you know, it's, it's a new band on the scene. And um, so we were kind of expecting things to, like most new bands do, you know, to kind of take off slowly and kind of move steadily up, up the ladder. And uh, the first album came out and just kind of just exploded straight away and, and took us all a little bit off guard. Um, and I think the album had been out literally probably about two months and our label got in touch and basically said let's do another album and let's put it out next year so suddenly we were just kind of we'd only just started getting out on the road to promote the first album and then it was suddenly right i've got to write the second album and at that point i only had really about three songs written so uh, i started writing the second album whilst we were busy touring and promoting the first album and uh yeah the actual the, the, the release dates between the first and the second album the actual um the, the, the album was released exactly a year to the day 
from the first album, which is pretty mental, really, when you think, you know, we were touring, plus we actually, you know, I wrote the songs and, and we, we recorded and released the album within that 365 days. So <laughs> it was crazy, really. But, um, I mean, to me, I mean, I love the first album, um, but I think There Goes a Neighborhood was, was uh, a step up from it. I think, you know, like with any band, really, I think uh, whenever you do a new album, you just want it. You, I don't think, we're, we're, we're not in a, uh, a place where we want to turn our back on this type of music. We're not going to do like a 360 and do a completely different style of music. We love this music and we always will, you know. So it's, we, we just want to, every album, we just want to just take that next step up the ladder, you know. And uh, I think we did that with There Goes a Neighborhood. You know, we had some, some big, big success with that album. You know, the singles did really well, Give Me Love and You Don't Understand Me. And uh, Here Comes a Party, which was the third single. Uh, some cool videos. And then, we, you know, we, we did uh, a lot of touring on that album. You know, we did, you know, two headline tours of the UK. We went to uh, Japan last year and, and uh, Australia earlier this year. Did a, a ton of stuff out in Europe. And um, that album really kind of, I think the, the first album kind of got us out on the scene and, and, and kind of made everybody aware of who we were. And I think this, the second album, There Goes a Neighborhood, just kind of really, kind of really took it to that next level for us, really. And that's kind of where we're at right now. We're, we're ready to, um, you know, next year when uh, the third album comes out, we're ready to hopefully, uh, you know, knock it out of the park. You know what I mean? So that's the plan anyway, but... Yeah, man, uh, I love the whole album, especially the songs you mentioned. Um, there's such catchy hooks, and and I think also you guys, I feel like you're a lot more authentic than a lot of the other bands that try to do the the old style, the '80s style, because um, I think you, you live through it more. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm talking to the right person talking to you. I mean, there's literally, I'm the biggest hair metal fan on the planet, you know, I'm, I'm like a walking, talking encyclopedia of hair metal 1985 to 1992, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, man, me too. <laughs> and what it is, you know, it's just, it's just years and years of absolutely worshiping all those bands and having all those amazing bands as influences and all those amazing songs. And when I sit down and write songs, uh, you know, it, it it just comes out because they're all they're all in my brain. You know what I mean? They, whether I, whether whether I want them to be or not, they will just naturally come out when I start writing songs. You know, and and uh, you know, Pete, our producer, is great at, at kind of capturing that kind of the sound that we want. You know, we've got a keyboard player in the band, which there's not a great deal of, of, of uh, a great many uh, keyboard players you know a lot of a lot of bands nowadays have keyboards on tracks and stuff like that but we have you know sean charvet who who you know is on stage rocking the keyboards we have you know an absolute guitar shredder 80s rock guy on guitar miles meekin great bass player uh, called josh williams and it's just we just love that sound and and we i think we like you say, you know, I don't want to sound big-headed, but I think we, we do nail that sound really well, you know. I think a lot of people have, have picked up on that. Yeah, and I think you're a master of those, writing those poppy 80s-style tunes. And honestly, man, those are, like, my favorite kinds of songs. And what's funny is that, like, I've talked to Jay Pepper, and I recently talked to Joey Allen from Warrant. And it seems like both of them, 
prefer heavier stuff. And they always say, well, I, I don't really like the poppy stuff that much. And I'm almost wondering if it's generational. Because like I said, you we talked a little bit before, and we're about the same age. I, I love those kind of poppy songs. But what do you think? Oh, me too. I'm I'm all about the pop. You know what I mean? It's it's, and I know it's kind of like it's not cool to say that you <laughs> that you like that stuff. You, you're <laughs> not cool to say you're into the heavy stuff. And I'm I'm really not. I'm I'm not a metal guy at all. And um, you know, you twitch on a Tiger Tales thing. That I mean, I, I much prefer singing the the young and crazy stuff, and even even uh, you know, like Twist and Shake and yes. and, uh, and and songs like that than the heavier stuff um you know and with midnight city i mean the, on, on there goes a neighborhood there was a couple of heavier songs on there but you know to me it's all about it's all about melodies it's all about you know the pop melodies and the, and the catchy choruses and and to me it's that's everything that hair metal and 80s rock you know meant to me really you know you think about all those bands whether it be you know the big bands like on Joby and Def Leppard or whether it be you know Danger Danger Warren Trickster whoever whoever it was you know they, they all wrote these incredible melodic melodies and, and uh, to me that's that's just in my blood you know that's I, every time I write a song I want it to almost sound like a hit you know mm-hmm. That's funny that you say twist and shake because I think when I talked to Jay, I had mentioned that song and he was kind of like, ah, it's okay, but I like, you know, Six Sex or I like the, the heavier ones. And right, those are the kind, I like twist and shake and I like a lot of those poppy songs. So that, so we're on the same wavelength there. <laughs> definitely, man, definitely. So and last thing I want to say about, about the album, I love that it starts off with the clip from the Poison video, Nothing But A Good Time, the, the boss screaming at the guy washing the dishes. I love that, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that that actually uh, that actually kind of backfired on us a little bit because um, when we, we when we we finished the album and uh, we we kind of we put the, the running order together and uh, I said um, uh, would it be in the second album I said you know we could do it sort of like a, a cool intro you know and I, I was t- at the time thinking about um, you know the Screw It album um, the Danger Danger album with the, the big intro and all that kind of thing or. Or even something like, you know, the, 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 the intro that starts off the New Jersey album, some, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And uh, P didn't think it was a good idea. And then I remember um, one, one of my uh, favorite albums. Again, I'm going to get lynched for saying this, but one of my favorite albums is uh, the second Trickster album here. And um, I remember the beginning of that album, right before Road of the Thousand Dreams, it's like a little speech. Um, it's only about 20 seconds long. I, I don't know. I can't remember what the actual speech is, but it, it, it's taken from a movie or something. So I was like, well, maybe we could just try and find a little kind of speech. And we were going through, I remember we started watching a lot of like eight movies, like Footloose and, mm-hmm. you know, Back to the Future and all this kind of stuff. And, and to try and kind of just steal a little phrase that we could stick on the beginning of the album. And then, uh, and then I just randomly just kind of ended up watching I was on YouTube and I, I, I clicked on the, the Poison video and that speech at the beginning, I was like, this is absolutely perfect, especially because, you know, it sums up what Here Comes Apart is all about. So I sent this link to Pete and he was like, where's this from? And I said, well, it's from you know, the Poison video. And I remember Pete saying, oh, no one, no one will notice. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so we're like, okay, well, let's, let's put it on there. And it, everybody did, you know, and it's been, it's been in all the reviews and stuff. And we, we actually didn't realize that anybody would, would really notice, you know what I mean? But 
<laughs> oh man, if you were there, you know? you, you know it word for word. Get your butt in gear, or you're out of here. Get it? <laughs> Boom! You know, what I, mean? I mean, we used to do the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> exactly, man. And it was just you know, even you know, like I said, Pete, who produces the album, uh, he produced the album. Was just you know whether he was a fan of the song or not, he was just like this. This clip is perfect. You know, it, it's not not too long. It just kind of gets the point across that it's buying into the song and it kind of it worked a treat. But we honestly thought, I actually thought maybe maybe one in a hundred people would actually recognise that that was from that video. Oh, <laughs> but, I got uh, it. <laughs> it seems there's, there's a lot of closet poison fans out there. That's how I gotta say, you know. Oh hell yeah! So. You seem to be heavily influenced by the American hair metal bands. Are, is that true? Oh yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Nothing but the hair metal bands, really. Um, you know, I mean, in terms of you know English stuff, I mean, I'm a huge um, Def Leppard fan, mm-hmm. obviously. But I mean, I love Def Leppard because they sound American. You know, they got they do not sound like the British band. There, there was really, I don't really have any influences. That, that, you know, again, it, it, it's it's not cool to say that when you, when you, you know, when you live in England, but I, I am, I can't think of one English band that's influenced me at all. You know, all my influences, everything that I love comes from the States. Uh, even, even the sort of Scandinavian stuff, I'm not really that into. I mean, when I was a kid, I was, uh, I used to love um, Europe and I, yep. you know, the final countdown, the out of this world album, I thought were great, but that was it. You know, I, I'm not overly keen, you know, I know there's a big scene for the kind of the hair metal stuff in Scandinavia and, um, but I'm not overly keen on that. You know, it's, it, to me, it, all my influences come from eighties, you know, that, that kind of period of late eighties, early nineties, American hair metal, you know, and, uh, and also a lot of pop music, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of pop music and, uh, you know, I liked a lot of the 80s pop music as well because I think the hair metal stuff was, was to me, not, more often than not, you know, it's pop music with, with guitars, you know. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I come from, you know. So let's, let's uh, throw this out there. So why don't you tell me your first glam metal or hair metal uh, purchase that you bought and your first hair metal concert and then I'll tell you mine Look, you go first uh, okay yeah, that's same. well it was it was the same band uh, I was um, let's go back I was uh, nine years old and it was uh, it was 86 and uh, it was a final countdown album okay which was obviously Europe and you know the thing is as well which um, you guys were you know were so lucky to um you know, to grow up in that kind of era, you had MTV and stuff like that. I mean, there was nothing like that in England. You know, we we did have MTV Europe, but it certainly wasn't the MTV that you guys would have got. So as a kid, you know, without, you know, MTV and without the internet and stuff, the only bands you'd really hear about, especially when I was older, I I discovered, you know, Kerrang! magazine and, and Metal Hammer and all that kind of stuff. But as a little kid, uh, the only music that I was aware of was, the stuff that was actually getting in the UK charts, you know, alongside, you know, Madonna and, you know, Duran Duran and all that kind of stuff. So Europe had a massive hit with the final countdown, went to number one in the, in the charts. And um, I just absolutely fell in love with it. So I, I bought the cassette um, when I was a little kid. And then um, I got to see them on um, the Out of This World Tour, which was 89. So I was... Um, uh, it was a few months before my 12th birthday. It was actually like a, my birthday present, and my uh, my mum took me. <laughs> my mum took me to the concert because I was too little. You know, yeah. I was like wasn't even 12 years old, and uh, yeah, I went to see him on the Out of This World 
tour, which was that was my favourite album from those guys because that was kind of when they sounded the most sort of kind of commercial American sounding to me. And uh, and that night, you know, it's one of those things. You know, that night absolutely changed my night, my life forever. You know, if I hadn't gone to that show, then you know, who knows, you know, what I'd be doing now. But it was that seeing those guys and. The way that they looked back then, you know, they all had the big hair and the, the scarves, and the, they, they were they were kind of looking in the the glammy pe- the glammy period and stuff like that, and it just blew my mind. And that was it. That night, it was just kind of that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. So, so yeah. Nice. So how about you, bud? Who was yours? All right, so I'll be honest. I'm kind of sketchy on what my first purchase was, but I I want to say it was Theater of Pain when I was 10 years old, crew, and then concert oh, cool. was when I was 11. Uh, my my father had to take me because once again I'm only 11 years old. Was uh, Motley Crue and White Snake Girls 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 tour. So what a great show for your first concert. You know what I mean? Ah, oh, that's that's a that kind of beats mine. My, mine's not quite as cool as that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, that's one a band. Good one, man. Yeah, no, that was. I mean, that was that's good shit right there. But hey, we've got to talk a little bit about Tiger Tales. Let's start with Stevie James. You told me you played with Stevie. What'd you do? Did you play bass for him, guitar? What'd you do? I played guitar for Stevie. Okay. Yeah, that was um, it's going back a while. It was um, going back to two thousand and nine, I believe. And uh, I was actually back in the UK because I, I actually uh, I lived out in the states for uh, <clears throat> about three years between um, two thousand and seven and two thousand and ten. Uh, moved out to Boston and had a, a band out there called Sins of America. You know, you did you know did all right and kind of the underground sort of scene. Put a, put a couple of CDs out, um, but I was kind of temporarily back in the UK. I was waiting for my my visa to come through to, to get back to the states. So I was back in the UK for about six or seven months. And uh, yeah, I remember Stevie just emailing me one day, and I kind of knew him vaguely. We kind of talked a little bit, maybe six months before that, because he had an album at the time called My Private Hell, which mm-hmm. was just such a killer album. I, I loved that album. I still do love it. I think it's a great album. And I think I, I was briefly talking to him about that, maybe on Facebook in the early days of Facebook or whatever it was. And and then um, fast forward to 2009, he got in touch and he was... Um, putting a band together he had a, a few shows coming up and he asked me if I'd play guitar and um, I was a massive Tiger Tales fan as a, as a teenager always preferred the, the young and crazy Stevie stuff I thought Stevie was cool as hell you know I thought he loved his voice and his attitude and everything I, thought, I just thought he was a, a really cool guy you know and, and I loved his, his solo album I thought his solo album was brilliant so uh, yeah I learned the songs and um, I played not that many shows it was maybe two or three shows within my I remember playing we played in Sweden uh, we did a festival out in, in Denmark and I think there might have been an, another show I'm not sure but yeah in, in that kind of brief sort of six month period uh, I actually got you know really good friends with Steve we used to speak on the phone a lot stayed at his house a couple of times and you know he was, he was a great guy and um, and then uh, then I kind of moved back to the States and um, kind of kind of lost touch with him after that which was a shame because I remember for a while, we were actually talking about writing some songs together and uh, and maybe kind of looking into doing another album, you know, after the private hell thing. But um, yeah, unfortunately, when I, you know, then when I joined Tales, he seemed to have a bit of an issue with that, and uh, <laughs> I, I never really heard from him again. He, he seems to—I don't know what the deal is with him because you know, I, I 
in any interview, I, I say nothing but nice things about him, but uh, he seems to have some issue with me. I don't really know why, but I, I dig him. You know, I, 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 I bought his, um, his uh, covers album that he released last year or the year before, the Time Machine thing, and I, I love that. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of, of Stevie James, you know, and... Uh, so hopefully it'll be nice to me now. <laughs> you know, from now on, you know, when he talks about me, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. I think there's still some sort of animosity between, you know, the, the Tiger Tales camp and him, and yeah. you know, which is really nothing to do with me, you know. But you know, that, that's that's all I know, really, mate. But he's uh, a cool guy. You know, I, I really enjoyed playing with him. It was it was a lot of fun. Well, the funny thing was, was I the first interview I ever did was with Jay. Uh, Jay was nice enough to, to you know, humor me. That's just somebody who's just getting into it. And, uh, you know, and everything was fine. He told me his side of the story. And then somehow, you know, basically what you do when you're doing this, you're just kind of throwing out blasts, right? You're throwing up something against the wall, see if it sticks. You, you want to talk sometime? Yeah. Do you want so, so Stevie James says, yeah, man. He goes, hey, and I heard that podcast, and I've got things to say about what was said. So in my mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, hell, this is great. This is like uh, wrestling, you know, pro wrestling. We're going to have people, you know, go bickering back and forth. But, um I don't know, man. I mean, I kind of wish those two would bury the hatchet. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would be cool. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have a, have an issue with it at all. You know, I mean, he's obviously a... Um, Tiger Tail has got a long history, a very, very long history. And, you know, I'm now the fourth and hopefully the final singer. Um, you know, each singer's been very different from the last one. and But, you know, there's been quite a lot of man members that have come and gone. But, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's got a, a, a you know... A legacy, you know, it's, it's a, a legendary band, you know, and certainly here in the UK, I mean, it was the, it was the biggest glam band that, that ever came out of the UK, you know, there was, the UK never really kind of did that style of music, you know, we, we, the UK for rock music was always a lot more sort of, you know, not knocking this style of music, but it was always, always more sort of blues rock sort of bands like Thunder and the Choir Boys mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and, and there was never really a, a full-on kind of I guess you could say like a, a UK version of Motley Crue, and, and that was Tiger Tail. So, uh, you know, I mean, we still, we don't play that often, but when we do play, we play to, you know, three, 4,000 people, you know? So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to get Stevie up to do a, a couple of songs or something. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd love that, but, you know, he'd have to kind of uh, convince Jay, I think. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So you consider yourself still the, the current vocalist for the band? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. there's nothing, um, nothing changed uh, in that department, really. I think basically the, the, the deal with Tails at the minute is uh, Jay's, uh, as I'm sure he probably said in his interview. I think he, he's got some hearing issues, right. basically through like us all, you know, like years of, of you know abuse and not wearing earplugs and stuff like that, which. You know, I think I, I don't know a musician that doesn't have hearing problems. You know, especially if you've been doing it for twenty plus, thirty plus years or whatever. Um, so that kind of put a stop to um, a- any shows. Um, I mean, we did when I when I you know first joined the band. I mean, we we were touring all the time. You know, we were doing a ton of stuff out in Europe, and you know, did a couple of UK tours. Uh, I think also Jay's just at a point where he's just. Unless the shows are really, really good shows, and he's not really that interested in doing them, which you can totally, you know, get his point of view, you know. So we tend to just do the the odd kind of festival. I mean, we do have a festival coming up in, in November here in in the in the UK, a big festival. Which whether it will happen or not, I don't know. 
you know, there, there'll be, you know, 4,000 people there and the place will be sold out and it'll be great. And I think he just prefers to do those shows rather than, you know, 15 shows where we're playing in front of maybe like 100 people or 50 people, you know, and, and because it can be hit and miss, you know, it can be hit and miss for any band. And, you know, we get a lot of American bands over who were, you know, sold a lot more albums than Tiger Tales and still, you know, you go and watch them and there's 50 people there, you know. So I think he just kind of cherry picks the, the, the good shows, really, that he wants to wants to play. And, uh, you know, I mean, Tiger Tales is, is very much, you know, it's, it's Jay the show. Right. Uh, in terms of doing stuff, I mean, I, I'm, you know, obviously Midnight City, you know, the, the, the priority for me because, you know, it's, I put the band together and the my songs and and, it, and it, it's the thing that we've sort of built up. But I'm still very much, um, very much a, a part of Tiger Tales, you know. And um, I, I'm looking forward to doing some stuff, you know. Um, when that will be and then where that will be, I don't really know. But you know, it's kind of more than anything. It's just really down to what Jay sort of wants to do, really. Um, and and we'll, we'll take it from there, you know. So you've also done a Poison tribute band before. Tell everybody about that. Yeah, that, that, that was something that, um, that was just like, a, to be honest with you, a fun thing that um, started, the, the actual initial idea started um, when I was, as I said earlier, I was living out in the state, and um, we, I kind of started putting it together with the, the original band that I had, uh, Sins of America, to kind of, at the time, to actually fund recording the, the, our album. Um, and I, you know, I said, well, let's, let's do this and go out and play some shows. You know, and earn some good money because obviously, when you're doing the tribute thing, you earn a lot more money than when you're doing the, the original thing. And it didn't quite work out with those guys. And then um, I, I moved back to the UK, and um, basically, we was speaking to an old band, uh, old bandmate of mine in the UK, and he was like me, a, a big Poison fan growing up. So between me and him, we put it together, and we've actually been doing it now uh, about eight years. Wow. And uh, Again, it's been there's been a few lineup changes. I'm the, I'm the only guy, I'm the only guy left as usual. But um, we still go out and play a lot. I mean, we will play probably um, you know maybe thirty, forty gigs a year, uh, all around the UK, and uh, it, it's easy money because it's it's a band that I grew up loving. You know, I knew all the lyrics. I didn't have to go and do any homework. You know, I so it's, to me, it's it's just a, a great way of earning a ton. You know, quite a lot of money. You know, you earn so much more money. Which is all wrong. Don't get don't get me wrong. I, I don't really agree with the fact that tribute bands earn right. a ton more money than original bands. But unfortunately, that's just how it is, you know. And uh, but it's a lot of fun, man. You know, I mean, we we just concentrate on the, the first three albums, you know. So the, the cool stuff, we we don't do any of the Richie Cox and stuff or right. anything like that. So it's just, um, you know, we play all the hits, but we also play, you know, cool stuff like. You know, look what you can't touch, and uh, back to the rocking horse, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the kind of the, the deeper like album cuts, you know. So, uh, and it's just so much fun. We, we double up with uh, a really cool uh, Motley tribute band that over here called Motley Crude, and we basically double up and pretty much play all the shows together. So it's just a, a great night of you know um, Poison and Motley, you know, and uh, people seem to really really lap it up over here. It's great. What's your favorite Poison album? Favorite Poison album's got to be Open Up and Say Ah, which was, uh, I think, maybe because that was the first album, that was the album that kind of got me into the band. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the first three. Native Tongue, I really did not like at all. Uh, And I I was having an argument with a friend recently, and he said, you know, you've got to go back and revisit it. And I was just like, 
and I did, and I still hate it as much as I did when it came out. I just hate that album. I just, it, to me, it's not even poison, you know. But uh, I just love the um, uh, I love the first I love the first album because it's just so trashy and just you know, in a lot of ways, you know, it reminds me of um, it reminds me a lot of the first Tiger Tales album. Yes. It's you yes. know pretty. You know, it's not it's not that well produced. It's a bit sloppy. It's a little bit punky, but I think it's great. Flesh and Blood was a little bit kind of poison, trying to be Bon Jovi, maybe a little bit too much. And to me, the the, the open up album was kind of right down the middle of it. You know, I I just love just every song on that album. I I love it. It was kind of like that. That album was probably the out of any album, probably the soundtrack to my my youth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I love that album. I, I kind of gravitate to Flesh and Blood because I kind I feel like I love the evolution of the band. You know what I mean? I felt like they, they just kept growing and getting better at, at songwriting, and, and there was some depth that got to be put in there. You know what I mean? There's some pretty deep stuff on that album as well. So I kind of gravitate toward that one. But, man, you know what? I was kind of the same. I didn't like Native Tongue at first, but you know what? Native Tongue has grown on me, and I do appreciate it. Is it the perfect Poison album? No, but I do think there is some cool stuff on there. I, I gotta, I'm going to have to go back to it again. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to find these hidden gems on there, man. I actually, what a funny story with the poison thing was, um, uh, they notoriously never really come to the UK. They, they, they came to the UK in 1990 on the, uh, they played the, the Monsters of Rock Festival yep. in, at Donington. And I was, at that point, I was only like 13 and, uh, it was, a, you know, Back then, you know, the Monsters of Rock was a huge outdoor festival, 100,000 people. So I, I wasn't allowed to go. Uh, and they did a couple of like little tiny club shows. One of them was actually here in, in Nottingham at, at uh, a, a venue called Rock City. And uh, so I missed all of that. And then literally the only other time that they came over to the UK and they'd never been back since uh, was for the, uh, the Native Tongue Tour. So they came over uh, in '93 with with Richie Copson, and uh, they had uh, enough enough were opening up for him. And uh, I was so excited to go and see them because it, this was like my first time of seeing, you know, without doubt one of my favorite bands. And it I was just kind of it just wasn't really poison to me, you know. It just wasn't what I was expecting. You know, there was no there was no pyro. There was no. It was kind of like a which you know was obviously very much a sign of the times they were yeah. kind of toning everything down and and it was becoming a kind of a a different type of band you know it was moving away from that kind of trashy glam thing into a kind of a more mature sort of bluesy band and it was kind of i just remember kind of walking away from it thinking this uh, wasn't quite what i was expecting mm -hmm. you know so but um but yeah they haven't been over here since so i think that's another reason why the, the poison tribute does so well because they're still you know really a really popular band over here. It's just, you know, they, they just never come over here and play. So we kind of fill that void for, for those people, I guess, you know? Well, hey, man, this has been a great conversation. What do you want to say to all your fans out there in closing? Well, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you to you, Mike. It's been great talking to you. Um, you know, I love, you know what? I love talking hair metal to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> me too, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, thanks for having me on the show. And um, yeah, everybody out there, I just want to say thanks for your support. And um, like I said, we got a new new Midnight City album coming out next year. And, um, you know, maybe some Tiger Tail stuff. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, make sure you check it out when it, uh, when it comes out. And hopefully we'll see you uh, on the road. Awesome, Rob. Well, hey, man, it's great talking to you. I have a feeling we'll probably still be communicating back and forth, maybe sharing a song or two here and there, right? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Let's keep in touch, and uh, 
Yeah, we could, because we could talk for like literally days about this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, man. Hey, thanks so much for the conversation. You take care. You too, buddy. All right, take care, man. Well, that was a great episode with Rob. Let me tell you, there are some cool ones on the way, like one with the legendary Punky Meadows from Angel. So the best thing you can do right now is hit the subscribe button. Rock on!